Um, I'd ask that you turn with me to Psalm 42. Uh, while you're turning there, uh, I'll say once again what a, what a joy it is to be here with y'all. Um, certainly been in prayer uh, for you all, and uh, as we should be for one another. Uh, we have a lot of things that we're going through as, as God's people in this time. Uh, certainly not, not anything that's new under the sun. You know, the Lord's people have, have experienced many upheaval throughout time. Uh, one thing that's been constant, regardless of nation or, or regardless of kingdom, has been the kingdom of God has always been advancing, uh, regardless of what you think or regardless of what it looks like we're seeing. Uh, the kingdom of God is always uh, blessed. Um, Psalm 42. Now, this subject is one that is, is uh, far too big for a sermon. I, I just I hope, if the Lord uh, continues to lead me, uh, that what we do is a survey course. Uh, but I'll, I'll read Psalm 42 for us, and I want you to, to uh, think about the situation that we find ourselves in uh, today. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, and of the Hermonites, and of the hill Mizar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of, thy oppression, of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me. While they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. I, I read this psalm the other night. Um, it was a little, a little while back now. When I was in uh, a time in which I, I was anxious, I could not sleep. It was in the middle of the night. And uh, as, as I'm, I want to do sometimes, and in the midst of an of a anxious night, a dark night, uh, every once in a while I'll, just, I'll read a psalm. I'll, I'll, I'll read until I begin to calm back down. And I opened up to this psalm, and man, I'm telling you, I, I heard the Lord speak to me in this and, and calm my anxious spirit. I, I won't keep any secrets from you. I'm not ashamed of it. I, I suffer from anxiety problems. I have anxiety issues. I know many people do. You know, 
I know that it is a result of this sin-cursed world that we live in, that we have problems, that we have sickness, that we have cancer, that we have all these problems that we face. But I'm telling you, we have a God that understands your problems. And that when you come to him and you, and you actually realize who this God is, he is a God that comes to you in the night and, and gives you a song in the night. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning is a song in the night. And when I, when I read that, it was as if the Lord was looking over my shoulder and seeing me in, in the midst of that dark night. As, as Meredith was sound asleep, I had, I had no hope, I had no comfort. It was just me alone with my insecurities, with my doubts, with my failings. Everything's darker at night, isn't it? I mean, it's literally darker. It is, it is a time of darkness. It can be a hopeless time in, in the night. Look at this. I want to read this again. He says in verse 8, he says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. This is the God who is intentional about his love for you. He commands loving kindness over you in the daytime. And man, I tell you, it is so much easier to feel that in the daytime, isn't it? You see a beautiful day like this, it's, it's really easy to feel the love of God, right? But then it's something special that he gives you in the night. Because the night is a, is a dark time. He doesn't just give you love and kindness. He gives you a song in the night. It says, in the night his song shall be with me. You know, I, I did some research on this. There's been some studies on, on the effect of night on, on uh, somebody. You know, I, there, there's been a study of a correlation between uh, nighttime and suicide rates. I know that's a very dark subject, but, but suicides occur at a, at a rate eight times more frequently than in the daytime overnight, specifically in the times between 2 a.m. And, and 4 a.m., that is, that is that window of time, it, it, it occurs eight times more likely in that time. You know, I think one of the reasons is that that is probably the most hopeless of times. You know, nine or ten o'clock at night is not so bad, but once you get past midnight, it is, in, it is in the throes of the darkness of the night. Once you get past 4 a.m., then you can think, well, the sunrise is just about to come, right? Have you ever experienced that when you... When you when you get sick, it always seems to be in the middle of the night. Isn't that right? That's when it's the most hopeless. I remember one time when I was little, I had a, I had a tummy ache. And it was so bad. It was, I, was, I was up all the night, and it was just so hopeless. And I really didn't want to you know, bother mom and dad with it. So I just kind of sat out there in the living room, and I paced, and I prayed, and just, Lord, deliver me from this, you know? And... It wasn't until I saw the first rays of light of, of the morning coming, and it was just like I was completely better. The, the hope of the morning coming almost healed me. You know, the nighttime really is, it really is, a, uh, it could be a scary time. You know, I don't know if any of you have ever been so foolish to watch a scary movie. I know that I have done it from time to time. 
Now, if you watch that in the daytime, no problem, right? It, it doesn't bother you at, to think about that movie during the daytime, but, man, if you get it at nighttime and you get in the darkness by yourself, all of those thoughts of all those scary movies you've ever seen in your entire life, they come back to you, right? That is the power of night. It's not just that. Everything is more sinister during those times. Your insecurities, your debts, your doubts about the Lord, your doubts about your faith. I can't tell you how many times I, I spent as, as, a, as a young boy growing up under the belief that I had to somehow work my way into heaven, that I had to uh, to accept the gift of the Lord, and I had to pray the prayer, and I had to do it with the absolute right mindset, and if I didn't do it right, then, then I was going to be cast into hell. Man, I'm telling you, that bothered me at night. I spent many nights in cold sweats on my bed, praying to the Lord that he might remember me and forgive me of all the sins I committed that day, because I knew that if I, if I died that night, with unconfessed sin, I was, I was going to hell. That's when the insecurities and the doubts of my faith plagued me, was in the night. And all the other things that would have seemed fine in the daytime are, are made terrors in the night. And I, I, don't mean, I don't mean to put all this on you to discourage you. I'm just saying this is a reality that we face. I love that the truth of the gospel doesn't sugarcoat your experience in this life. You know, so many people out there will say that if you become a disciple of Christ, you don't have to deal with all these problems anymore. You're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? What, what a lie. You know, I, I don't want anybody here to be uh, misguided into thinking that a, that a life of discipleship makes your life uh, just grand. Everything's going to be great because you know what happens? That is so, that's a, such a discouraging message because what happens to those little sheep under the sound of that preaching when adversity comes? You know what they think? It's because I am not faithful enough. It's because I did not pray good enough because maybe God doesn't even love me. That is not the truth. Jesus himself says this world as tribulations. You will experience tribulations. What is the goodness of the gospel? It's not that we're going to all of a sudden just float above all of our problems. No, the goodness of the gospel is that God will come with you in your problems, that he will come and be with you in the midst of the furnace of your suffering. That's why a song in the night is such a beautiful image to me. He didn't say that he would bring me daylight in the midst of the night. He said he'll bring me a song in the night. I think about this. I think it's a psalm. It says, I, I wait for thee more than the watchman waits for the morning. Can you imagine being that, wa that watchman? Everybody else is asleep. It's your job to stay awake and to watch. And you know that the darkness creeps in on you too. And all you are wanting for, all you are waiting for is to see that dawn come. 
to see the morning break, just like I was when I had that tummy ache, right? I wanted more than anything to see the rays of sunlight coming up over the horizon. And that's the way I feel in this life. I long, I know you do too, I long to see my Savior in the rays breaking over that horizon because it is dark here. It is dark in this life. And it's not just the literal nights that you face that we'll face again tonight. We have night seasons. And that's, that's a reoccurring a theme, a reoccurring uh, a word, a phrase in the scripture, the night seasons. He'll be with me in the night seasons. My reins will instruct me in the night seasons. You know, many of the Psalms are a direct result of night seasons that, that, are, that King David faced in his life. Not just, a, just one literal night. It may, have been, it may have been a season that he was going through of night. I think some, some of the, the greatest examples of those is Psalm uh, 3 and 4 that I can think of. And that was when he was literally on the run from his son who had, who had mounted this insurrection and taken the throne I mean, can you imagine a darker time than being on the run for your life, running from your son? But yet, he sings this song of praise to God in the midst of that. Now that is a song in the night. A song in the night is something where you are, you're, you're surprised by joy in the midst of adverse circumstances. You know, there's, there's many examples that I could give you of, of what a song in the night is, and I, I hope we can talk about some of those. Here's an example of what a song in the night isn't. <laughs> we'll start with that first. When the Israelites had been delivered out of Egypt, and they had come up on the Red Sea, and they, and they see there's, there's no way we can pass this, there's a sea in, in front of us, and there's Egyptian army behind us. And what did they say? Did they say, praise God? No, they said, why have you taken us out here to kill us? That is the example of what a song of the night isn't. They succumb to their adverse circumstances. Now, of course, the Lord, because he is a gracious and good God, he delivered them. He delivered them through that Red Sea. And then they get on the other side and then they sing that song of Moses. They sing praises unto him. Now that is certainly a good thing. We need to remember when God brings us through the night and he, he brings us back to the day again, we need to remember to praise him for that. that, that I always forget to do that. It's so much easier to fall on your knees and asking for, uh, for healing and all these other things when you're in need. But then when the Lord gives it, we forget to praise him. And so I will give them credit. They did praise him after he delivered them through that. But that is not an example of a song in the night. A song in the night is something that comes to you, that the Lord overpowers you in the midst of darkness. When your circumstances are still adverse to you, and he gives you a gift, he gives you a song. Now music, as, as I mentioned before, after hearing y'all sing, 
and how beautiful that was. Music is a gift of God. It is, it is one, of the, it's one of the most magical things that you, could, you can experience. You know, the Lord created music. He is the ultimate composer of music. He gave you music to sing to Him. You know, there have been studies that show the effects of music on your body. I mean, it, it really is medicinal. It, it really has effects on you. You know, it, it can uh, reduce your anxiety. It can reduce your stress. It can even lower your blood pressure. It can slow the aging process. You know, I read a study on that this morning as I was sort of thinking over that again. It has been shown to, to increase uh, or decrease the rate at which your neurons begin to decay. So it could literally slow down aging if you listen to music. It helps your immune system. That was something that surprised me. That music, this, this gift of God, that listening to it could boost my immune system. But I'm telling you, there's been many times where I've come to the house of the Lord. I've come knowing I'm not worthy to worship this God. Maybe I've had, maybe I've had Monday on the brain. Maybe I've had all of the things at work that I've got to take care of that is burdening me. And I hear the singing of worship to Him and how it lifts my spirit. How it Helps my physical body even. That is, that is a gift of God. You know, you, we can ask Saul about King Saul, what, what he thinks about music. As he would be troubled, I, no doubt he, he was experiencing uh, the abandonment of God in many ways because of his uh, disobedience. And so he says that he would have an evil spirit come visit him and he would be just distraught. And then when, when David would play for him, would play music for him, it would soothe him. I mean, the, the power of the gift of music that God has given us, it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, and I, I really would love to study more on the science behind music and the, and the way that God designed it. But did you know, I'll just share some of this with you. Did you know that when you sing a note and you, you hear that, one note, think of it as a piano key. You, you press one key and you hear one sound, right? One pitch. The truth is, you're actually hearing a harmonic scale of, of different notes that are overlying, overlaying on one. And so what you hear with your ears is one. This is called overtones. Now, it's a beautiful thing that happens sometimes when, when we sing together in our in our harmony there's been many times and, and you know if you'd like to we have a recording of a, of a singing where you can hear it where because of the way that the parts come together and harmonize with one another a fifth part appears that's not sung by any human voice and you can hear it now I, I, I happen to believe that that's the angels joining and singing but that's the power of music it is a magical thing. It really is. It's more than just orderly and scientific. I, I believe it is just magic, you know, that the Lord has given us. 
So to say that he gives us a song in the night, it's really a very powerful thing. Let me give you some more examples. I'm going to give you some examples of what a song in the night is. If you turn with me over to Job, the book of Job. Job in chapter 19. Of course, we know the story of Job, the true account of what happened to Job, and how uh, Satan, not, not the Lord, but Satan stripped him of everything he had just about, uh, except for uh, his wife and his health. And, you know, I, I don't know if that tells you anything about his wife, <laughs> that, that, that he was allowed to keep her. Uh, no, that's a joke, but anyway... Uh, Anyway, so he is stripped of everything. He's got this, it's, it's a really terrible, terrible night that he is facing. But notice, notice what the Lord gives him in verse 25 of this, of this book, of this chapter. Job has this great statement of faith. He says, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Though my reins be consumed within me. Man, this is a song in the night. Because I can't imagine more adverse circumstances than what Job has just faced. And, and keep in mind, he hasn't been delivered from that yet. He is still in the throes of that. But yet the Lord gives him this faith. This, he sees through the eye of faith. He sees the resurrection. He sees that, that he will indeed see his Savior with his own eyes. Ultimately, that is, that is our hope. We are saved by hope. That's... When, when the scripture talks about that salvation by hope, it is, it is almost always talking about the resurrection. When you, when you see the resurrection through the eye of faith, it doesn't save you for heaven. You were saved for heaven on the cross. But man, I'm telling you, it saves you from that night. When you see the resurrection through the eye of faith and you see that I will see my Savior, I'm telling you, The God that animates our love for him. The God that makes this more than just a group of people gathered together. That very God, we will see him with our own eyes. It's not some fairy tale. We will lay our arms around him and hold him close. I will get to, to hold him in my arms. That is the reality that is the truth of the gospel. That is the power of the song in the night that comes to you. Even It doesn't matter about your circumstances. Praise God. That's the power of the gospel. You know, we don't teach that the Lord straightens out all of your circumstances. No, the Bible teaches that God will come with you in your circumstances. It is so much more powerful. It is so much more powerful. 
you know, it, it really would be amazing. It really would be amazing if the Lord would just deliver us from all the thorns in the flesh that we experience. You know, we can ask Paul about that when we get to heaven. You say, Paul, would you, would you rather have the Lord just delivered you from that thorn in the flesh? You know, I, I think Paul would have said no. I think he would say that. Because he understood and having that thorn in the flesh that the Lord sustained him through, he felt the power of God. Because you know what happens? We forget about the power of God when he delivers us through that night. When I saw that morning approach, when my tummy was aching, right? It's such a simple example. But when I saw that morning approach, it wasn't five minutes before I had forgotten all the prayers that I'd prayed that night for deliverance. But you know what is amazing? What's amazing is that being in the night, you feel the sustaining, sufficient grace of God that you don't feel in the daytime, that you don't feel any other time. You know, I know that many of you have suffered far worse than this. This is just what I can relate to. But, but last year, uh, first of last year, January 1st, 2020, before the world went into chaos, uh, Meredith's grandfather passed away. And it was a, a beloved man in our family. And I, I tell you what, <clears throat> I would not be afraid for him to hear this. Even though that was such a sad time for the family to experience, it was, it was one of the greatest times of my life. Because we all felt the sustaining grace of God through the midst of that in a way that you just don't feel when things are going great. Think about all the people in, in the scripture. I mean, countless examples of people who were experiencing a night in their life, a night season. You know, I think about that. The woman, the, the woman that comes to my mind now is that poor woman with the issue of blood. What a night that she was experiencing. As she had gone to every, every physician that she could find, she had spent all of her money on finding answers. What is wrong with me? Why is this happening? How can we fix this? And she had come to the end of her rope, and she sees Jesus in the crowd. And she just pushes through with everything she's got left. She says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she does. And in the midst of her night, she comes across Jesus. And just think, just think if she was perfectly healthy, she would have no need for that. She would have had no occasion to come across him in that day. She would have had no occasion for him to stop, to stand still, to turn around. For that poor little woman, the God that we serve, the God that we pray to, the God that we sing to, is the God that intercepts us in the midst of our nights. That is the power of God. So we have Job and that great statement of faith and the resurrection that he sees. I want to take you to another. Let's go to Acts, the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. 
I know that you know this account. It's a very literal time in which this was true. Uh, Paul and Silas are arrested and put in prison for the preaching of the gospel. Now, I certainly hope that that doesn't happen in this country. You know, in many ways, we have been so free from persecution. I know that, it, I know that it's always there. It always happens. And I know that we have probably felt it more this generation than generations before. But even if it gets to this point, that they're a good example to us, that the preaching of the, go- of the gospel is something that we ought to be doing. There are sheep out there that are burdened under the burdens of their sins, just like I was growing up. And man, to hear the voice, the gospel coming to me, man, that would have been such a, a, a burden lifting, of like taking off of this burden of my spirit. Man, I would have rejoiced to hear that when I was little. That Jesus died for me on the cross. That I didn't have to accept that. That he saw me before the foundation of the world and he loved me and chose me. And that, it, and that it's not up to me. It's not up to me. Praise God. Because if it was up to me to choose him, then I could lose that. Because I know me. And I'm fickle. But they're arrested for that for preaching the gospel. And verse 25 says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. You know, I, I would love to have just kind of seen this happen. Love to have heard their, their, their hymns that they were singing. I would love to have seen the faces of the other prisoners as they thought, these are crazy people in here. As they are locked in the stocks, very uncomfortable. Not only are they in a cell, since they were put in the stocks, their circumstances are adverse to them. This is, not, this is not after the earthquake came. This is not after they were delivered. This was while they were still in prison, while they were in these uncomfortable stocks. They prayed and sang praises to God. And that is the God that we serve. That is the God that brings a song to you in the night. You know, I bet that Paul and Silas, this is probably one of their fondest memories. You remember that time when, when we were singing hymns in, in prison together? I, I believe that that was a fond memory as they look back on life. Of course, they didn't have much longer to live uh, because of persecution, but nonetheless, God came to them and gave them a song of praise. To be able to sing praises... While everything looks bleak, I mean, that's miraculous. That is when you know that God is involved. <laughs> because we're not awfully uh, prone to positivity. I don't know if you've, you've noticed that in our culture, if you've noticed that in yourself. I, I would have a hard time singing praises in that. You know, if, if my circumstances aren't quite right, I'm, I'm sort of like a baby. If everything's not quite right for me, I, I may be a little fussy about it. But, but here you have these two, blessed by God with this song in the night to have everything against them, but yet to sing praises. 
And they weren't singing praises to get delivered. They were just singing praises. The Lord brought deliverance later. Let's go to Acts 7. We have another account here of a song in the night. And I believe this is a good example for us to keep in mind. Acts 7. And we'll look at verse 54. We have another... um, Another precious minister preaching the gospel. And then they they take up stones to stone him, Brother Stephen. And and what is his reaction to that? As as the crowd turned hostile against him. You know, I I think that, that probably in this generation we've experienced this more than generations before. Where, you know, if you post something online, we post something uh, of the Lord's uh, words. You know, I've even seen posts that have been blocked that were basically just quoting scripture. You know, because somehow that incites rebellion, you know. Uh, but, but can you imagine getting canceled by the culture around you because of your stand for the gospel? And that, that's, that's something that, that I guess generations before would have, would have seen as foreign. But it's, it's something that we can resonate with a little bit more now. But can you imagine saying something that immediately turns a crowd of people against you? So much so that they take up stones uh, to kill you. And what does the Lord do for this precious sheep? This precious servant of his who has been obedient and and did not back down in preaching the gospel even though he knew it was an unpopular opinion. Verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, the Lord comes to him in the midst of this time looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God. Man, what a song in the night. I, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that, that a song in the night is to see the resurrection through the eye of faith, to see that you will see Jesus one day. I can't think of anything better in an anxiety-filled or a depression-filled night when you're on your bed in tears perhaps. To see through the eye of faith that you will see Jesus. Imagine this. As he looks up to heaven, he sees the glory of God. He sees Jesus not just sitting at the right hand of the Father, but standing, waiting to greet him into heaven. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Can you imagine this level of grace? And in fact, 
uh, repeating the words of our Savior and the attitude of our Savior and submitting to this death. That's a song in the night that although adverse circumstances had come upon him, he was able to see God. Even to, the, even to the point where he said, Lord, don't lay this to their charge. And you know, if that would have been me, first off, I, I don't believe, you know, of course, unless the Lord gave me a song, that I would have been able to have rejoiced in that. And I believe that I would have been sitting there saying, the Lord is going to get you for this, you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure that would have been me. Don't you know who I am? I'm a minister. God's going to get you for this. <clears throat> but yet the Lord gave him this song. And what did he do? He just he fell asleep. I love that. The Lord delivered him through that. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? As they faced uh, the adversity of that evil kingdom, and they refused to bow the knee. When, when the music played, they said, we're not going to do it. We cannot but serve God. And as they were thrown in the furnace, you know, I love their statement of faith. They said, you know, the Lord can deliver us, but if not, we're still not going to bow. I love that. That faith, they knew that God could, but they said, even if he doesn't, we're, we're going anyway. Throw us in. And, and they did. But notice this. The Lord, the Lord didn't just deliver them through the furnace. You know, the Lord very well, through his power, could have just caused them to be thrown in and not be burnt. He could have done that. But, but that's not our God. That's not personal enough for our God. What did he do? You know, they said, there's a, did you not throw three in, but there's a fourth in there. And, and his visage is, is of the Son of God. I believe that Jesus himself came in to be with them in that furnace. Some people say it's angels. I believe it was Jesus himself. You know, as I said, he could have just, he could have just blessed them and delivered them in any thousands of ways. Your God is a creative God. He is a powerful God. But how did he do it? He came down and was in the furnace with them. Man, what a song in the night. That God shows us that he will climb into the furnace of your suffering along with you. You may feel like it's inescapable. And the pressure is, is, is building up and the heat is burning you up. And whatever night season you find yourself in. But child of God, I want you to remember this. You may feel as if God has abandoned you. But he is right there with you in that suffering. Isn't it amazing that the God of glory, would, who has so much bigger problems to, to, to deal with than my little insignificant problems, but yet he looks down from heaven and comes and joins me in my suffering. And joins you in your suffering. And I love that the foreshadowing of that. 
that some 2,000 years ago, he would go into the furnace for you and I, that he would die on the cross and experience the wrath of God for me and you. And what a God. What a God. We will spend eternity praising him for that. As he climbed into your furnace that you deserved, that I deserved. And he did it because he loves you. You know, I, I've, I've spent time looking in the scriptures trying to find the answer of why. Why would God be willing to do that? And you know the answer that I found. It says it was his good pleasure. It's like a Chick-fil-A worker, right? It's my pleasure. God came. It was his pleasure to save you. Why did he save you? Because he wanted to. That's why he died on the cross for you. And, 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 don't, and don't fall into the trap that Satan will lay for you and say, well, it was, it was an untold number of them. It wasn't just me. I'm just a number and a part of that number of elect. No, child of God, you've got to realize the love that he has for you. If you were the only one, if you were the only one in the elect family of God, he would have gone to that cross just for you. That is a truth that you have to grasp and understand. It, he is a personal Savior. He didn't just come and die for an elect number. He did that. But for every individual, every individual and every individual sin that you uh, have committed, the Lord died for that. He's a personal Savior who climbs into your furnace, into that night with you. You know, we also have the account I think the account is in all the Gospels, but when Jesus goes to the garden and Jesus himself experiences a night, he's looking ahead at the cross. And, and look, child of God, I don't want any of you to think when he is sitting there in the garden and he is praying about that cup that he is getting cold feet about going to the cross for you. You have to remember that that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they hatched this plan to die for you on the cross before the foundation of the world. This has always been on the table. This has always been the end game. Okay, This has always been what he has been going for. And so now that he's here on the eve of the cross, he is not getting cold feet. This is why he came. Do you think that our God who created this world just by the power of his voice, that flung the stars out into space, that created us out of the dust, that gave us a soul that cannot be killed, that did all these great things and, and music and, and, and the very complexity of your own body and the cells and how small that can be. And all the cells of, of all these organisms out there in the world do you think that that powerful god would all of a sudden come to the cross and say you know what forget all my plans i'm i'm leaving these people in the dust no no i won't buy it for a second i do think what is happening is that the lord knows he knows what he is about to face and i believe he he fully appreciates the suffering that he is about to, about to face. And I do believe that in a sense he dreads the suffering. 
But I do want you to remember this. It was for the joy set before him that he endured that cross. It didn't say that he enjoyed the cross. <laughs> it said it was for the joy that he did it. What was that joy? What was the joy that compelled him to go upon the cross? It was the joy of spending eternity with you. The joy of having you in his presence. And of fulfilling uh, the desire of God. And so as Jesus is there, it says in agony, in agony of his spirit, he is sitting there knowing what he's about to face, and he is praying to the Lord. He knows he's about to be abandoned by God, and he's never experienced that before. You think that your nights are dark while God's still there with you. Imagine, imagine being abandoned by God and the lights of the whole world turning out as he turns his back on you. Now that's a night, that's a night that you won't have to experience because he did it for you. But in the midst of that, what does God do? He sends him an angel. It says, and, and, and this is in, uh, only in Luke that we get this image that, that, the, that an angel is there. An angel sent from God strengthening him. You know, I believe in angels, I believe they're real. You know, so many people think that they were maybe used to the Lord a uh, way long time ago, I, I believe that the Lord still sends angels out to minister to his saints. Uh, obviously, we don't worship angels. We don't get into any of that. But I do believe it is a very sweet thing that the Lord ministers to his children in that way. And that's a whole other subject. I'll, I'll let more able ministers approach that with angels with y'all. But the Lord sends an angel to Jesus uh, to strengthen him, to give him a little encouragement in the midst of what he was about to face. We already talked about the, the negative examples, but I, I want to I do this again because I think this is helpful for us. As you are going to face nights in your life, this is something that applies to every one of us. Tonight, you're going to face a, a, a literal night. It may not be a, a, a night that we're talking about, but at some point in your life, you will experience this night of darkness. Of course, the Israelites are, are always our negative example, uh, and, and we uh, give them a hard time, but the truth is, if I were there, I would be exactly the same. You know why I know that? Because I'm exactly the same right now, and I, I have the benefit of looking at the cross, and they didn't. And I still am fickle with my love for the Lord. Man, if I can, if I can wander in, in to and fro with my love for the Lord, can you imagine what that says about me? <clears throat> I don't even want to go there any further. The Israelites are an example because they didn't seek the Lord. <clears throat> They didn't seek the Lord or listen to the song he gave them. Now there are times when you were in that night and you're facing that night as I did just a, few, just a week or so ago and I felt the darkness of that night creeping in and I felt the doubts and the fears and I, I felt <clears throat> it is not uncommon during some of those periods of time where things are more stressful at work or, or more stressful in the kingdom and I see that there, there are People in the church that are burdened or discouraged, it's not uncommon for me to wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning 
and just almost not even be able to breathe with a panic attack. As I said, that's when it happens. It doesn't happen in the middle of the day. It happens at night when I'm the most vulnerable. At this time, when I chose to read the, the book of Psalms and to, and to listen, to seek out the Lord and to listen to the song that he gives me in the night, that's not what they did here. The Israelites did not seek the Lord. And that's why they didn't ever hear his songs that he sang. Another example is Nicodemus. You know, we have, we have this Pharisee, Nicodemus, one of the members of the Sanhedrin, and he comes and he seeks out Jesus. He comes to him, <clears throat> and he comes to him by night. Now, this is something I want, us, I want us to notice. Why does he come to Jesus at night? I believe it's because his reputation would be at stake if he would be seen with Jesus. Now, if he was coming just to berate Jesus, to tell him he's another false prophet or something like that, he could have done that in the daylight. He'd been fine. Why does he come to Jesus at night? Because I believe he had been struggling with seeing this person that maybe he sees as the Messiah come. And he's got all of this uh, tradition and all of these things that he has poured his life into and maybe he's just struggling with the fact that this, this man may put an end to my livelihood. I, that's, that's, just, that's me just thinking, speculating. But the fact that he comes to him by night, I believe he had been struggling with this and wrestling with this for a while. And he had this appointment set up with Jesus at night. And so he comes to him. He is seeking out the Lord. And what does the Lord say to this legalist, Right? who comes to him, this Pharisee, he teaches him some of these great things that we still have today about the new birth. He says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He's answering Nicodemus's question right away. Nicodemus is coming. He is seeing something by the eye of faith. He doesn't know what it is yet, but he is seeing the Messiah and seeking him out. And Jesus is telling him, you're already born again, you know, you see this, but of course Nicodemus being the legalist, he says, well, how can I do that? How can I be born again? Is it something physical I've got to do? Do I, do I need to go back and find my mother? Do, is, is that how it has to happen? What do I need to do? He's looking for something to do. And what does Jesus say? Man, I'm telling you, this made a difference for me as I realized it was the sovereign act of God in my life and not my decision. It says it's like the wind that blows. It blows where it listeth. It goes where it wants to. That's what the new birth is like. Jesus is singing a song to this man as he comes, and his soul is disquieted within him. He is singing a song to him. He says it is the sovereign love of God. It's not about your actions. It's not how many steps you take on Sabbath day. It's not, it's not how... Uh, many scrolls you have. It's not all of these things. It is my love for my people. My sovereign spirit giving you life. And you know what happened? Nicodemus went away from there not understanding what Jesus was talking about. I believe he's a child of God, but I believe he wasn't listening. He wasn't listening to the song that Jesus was singing. So the point I'm trying to make with those two examples is I believe that 
that if you find yourself in that night, there are many times in which the Lord just delivers you through His sovereign act. But many times, you need to seek Him out when you're in that night. Read the Psalms. That's what I do. It is a great way to, to hear Him. But also, also listen. Listen as He sings to you. Now as we close this out, I want to give you uh, three ways in which this song happens. We can go back to Psalm uh, 42 if you want to. It says here in that verse 8 of Psalm 42, it says, Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me. There's a sense in which we've been talking about the most, which is that song is something that the Lord gives you. You know, there, there was a time where literally I woke up with a melody in my mind and, and words that I was singing out, and, and I, I had never written that down before. I mean, that's happened before, but I, I think often what it's talking about is the Lord just gives you something to hope on. He gives you a glimpse of the resurrection. He gives you something like that. And as I mentioned, Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 are examples of, in which uh, the Lord, I believe, gave David a song to sing. He gave him something to think on. But this is something else I want to share with you. You can go to Zephaniah chapter 3. If you, can, if you can find that book, it's a little hard one to find. Zephaniah and, and chapter 3. There we go. <clears throat> chapter 3 and verse 17. I want to share this with you. We mentioned already that God created music. And that, that, is, the, that is the method that he chose to be worshipped by. For singing and praising. You know, that is one of the things that will be the same in heaven. Obviously, to a glorified degree. <laughs> but we will still worship God in heaven through singing. He says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Isn't that amazing? That our God, our Heavenly Father, would sing over us like a father singing over his child. What a beautiful image that we get. And, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean to tell you that I've ever heard uh, audibly the voice of God, but there have been times, child of God, where I have, I have heard, as it were, Him singing over me. Singing his love over me. His joy over me. So there's a sense in which not only does God bring you a song in the night that he gives you to sing. But there's a sense in which God brings a song to you in the night that he is singing for you. And singing over you. What a God of love. You know we see in, in the book of John, John chapter 1. That it says that in the beginning was the word. We're talking about Jesus. 
and that all things were made by him. We see the image of his voice, of, of the things that he says, having power to create. You know, I, I've been reading through the Chronicles of Narnia recently. I don't know if any of you have ever read that before by C.S. Lewis. I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, the image that, that C.S. Lewis gives of this act of creation of Narnia by Aslan, who's, who is a, a figure of Jesus, is that this lion walks about singing. And as he changes his song, new things are created. And, and his song is, is creating. And I, I, believe, I believe that's not probably far from the truth. And, and our God being a musical God, and his, his voice obviously being sweet as music, that he would come to you in the night and would sing to you and would lift you up. And the last, the last way in which I believe this applies, if you want to go to Exodus 15, I think this will be the last verse I turn to. Exodus 15, we already mentioned this before. After Israel was, was delivered by God through the Red Sea, they get on the other side and then they rejoice, which was appropriate to do. They should rejoice. I said earlier that it was not an example of a song in the night because a song in the night is something that comes to you in the midst of adverse circumstances. But that doesn't mean that once you're delivered, you shouldn't still praise God. But they get there and this is, this is what they say. This is what Moses says. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. He says, he says God is my song. You know, there is a sense in which God is the song that comes to you in the night. He gives you a song, sure. Sometimes you may even feel him singing a song to you. But almost always, God himself is the song that comes to you in the night. And you feel his presence. I'll tell you what, child of God. You could ask Joseph about this. To have God's presence in the midst of a prison is like living in a palace. To be with him, to feel his presence is heaven. To be without him is hell. Think about that, that night that we found ourselves in as, as all of his children. When Adam fell in sin and we, we fell with him. And, and to not be so hard on Adam, if I had been there, I think I would have done it faster. I think I would have sinned faster. But we're in the night, the darkness of our sin. The Lord obviously blesses his people in Israel and, and all the time knowing that, that, that uh, Calvary is coming. But imagine being an being a Israelite, a child of God, after the book of Malachi, right? In that, in that period of time of 400 years where the Lord was silent, where, where the Lord was just radio silent, no more communication, can you imagine the night that you would have experienced and felt as a child of God? And you're thinking, has God abandoned us? We haven't heard from a prophet. We haven't heard any word from God. 
And the darkness of that night and the heaviness of that night sits in. And what happens? The Lord shatters that night wide open with those angels appearing in that sky singing that song, the song of praises unto God. And with the cry of a baby born. Isn't that amazing? I love it. I love it that God, God could have probably come in the form of a man, just, just went on the cross and did it, but he came as a baby, a helpless little baby. And the cries of that baby that shred that night, the night of our lives, the night of the darkness that we all face, and he lived a life. He lived it for you. And he died on that cross for you. What a song in the night. And as you face the next night, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that night that, that the Lord faced for you on the cross. And then I want you to remember this. His love for you is never failing. His love for you has not changed one iota since he died for you on that cross. The results of this election, whether it went your way or not, the results of the economy, whatever happens to it, or the, the, uh, the inflation, or the interest rates, or whatever happens to your investments, or your retirement, or whatever happens to your health, if you're diagnosed with cancer, or you're losing your vision, regardless of what happens to you, the love that Jesus has for you is immeasurable. It is immeasurable. And as he sings over you, remember that he is with you in your night. Oh, a song in the night. I praise God that he loves his people so, so much that he would come and be with us, even in our little sufferings. And one day, man, one day, we will get to be there with him. You know, I hope I get to worship with you and fellowship with you more in this life, but I know this child of God, if I don't see you again here, I will see you there at his throne. And man, I'm so glad that we have an eternity there because I would sure hate to have to box you out from spending time with Jesus. We will be able to spend time with him for all eternity. I can, I can lay my head on his breast all I want to. And praise God, he won't push me away because of my filth. Praise God, like that leper that he comes to. And he, you know, that leper who was unclean, what did Jesus do? He didn't just say, you're healed, now get away. He touched him. He held him. There is, there is nothing that God has cleansed that he will call unclean ever again. Child of God, he loves you. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not